welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Wow. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not that be made perfect apart from us. Wow. Back in the 80s, Marie Chapman wrote a book that had huge impact on our family. It was entitled, Of Whom the World is Not Worthy. It was the story of a man of God named Yosip who ministered in Slovenia and Croatia previous to and during World War II. In the years leading up to World War II, between World War I and World War II, and World War II. He eventually gave his life for the gospel. We never dreamed that reading that to our kids and having our kids read it, that God would then call two of our kids to go to that very nation to minister and marry, and that we would have our two son-in-laws would be Croatian men. Of whom the world is not worthy. This is an amazing, amazing story of men and women of faith. When, when the writer of Hebrews completes this chapter and moves into the next, we know it as chapter 12. Of course, he didn't write it with, with chapters and verses, right? It was, it was one complete document. But as he moved in to the next part of his thinking, he began with this. Therefore, we also. Now, that's rather strange. 
Because what he is doing, he is pulling us in with these men and women of faith. And he is saying, now, now, all believers after them, we are pulled into this. They are to be examples to us. They are to be the model by which we live our life. We follow them. Therefore, we also. But it doesn't stop there. He goes this way. Therefore, we also, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Now the writer of Hebrews is not just saying these giants of the faith are examples for us. They're role models for us. Now he is saying that these giants of the faith are seated in the grandstands of heaven and they are watching us as we walk out our faith. Think about it. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, In the grandstands of heaven are all these giants of the faith watching you and cheering you on. Every one of you that's going through a crisis of faith right now, you are not alone. There's a grandstands in heaven that is filled with men and women of faith. Maybe Esther is watching you, dear, and she is saying, look, you can make it. Come on. You, God called you for such a time as this. Come on, you can make it. So hang in there. You can do it. Sir, you've got Barak and you've got David and you have Paul and you have Stephen and you have Timothy. All of these are in the grandstands of heaven, sir. And they're cheering for you. And they are saying, if we made it, you can too. Wow. It's awesome to think about. I, I like to think about that my papa's up there watching and mom. And my grandma and grandpa Wiles. That meant so much to me when I was a kid. And they're shaking their head and they're going, man, we would have never dreamed that kid would be a preacher. <laughs> but they're cheering us on. Every one of them are cheering us on. And dear ones, God is speaking to us something important. Listen, listen to how the writer of Hebrews finishes that. Therefore, we also, since we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that would so easily beset us. Now, I understand what he's saying. Because back in high school, 60 pounds ago, (laughs) I ran middle distance. And I learned about using weights in a very interesting way my my sophomore year in high school. Now, I, I was just coming off of having ran my personal best time in the half mile, 158.5, just, just tenths of a second off the state record and I really kind of thought I was hot 
and I was out, it was early spring, and, and, uh, and I was out just getting ready for the track season, and I'm out running, and, and this girl came out, and she was out there running, and, and she, she had on, she was wearing Puma running shoes, which I, in my dreams, I would have had Puma running shoes, and, uh, and, and she had these weights on her ankles, she said, I said, this, and she took a break, and I walked over and says, What's that all about? She goes, oh, these help me run better. What do you mean they help you run? Well, when you take them off, you just feel like you could just run with the wind. I said, want to try it? She said, sure. So she takes the weights off. She whooped me bad. And I kind of went, maybe I ought to try that. Makes her run like the wind. Maybe it'll help me run like the wind. I learned that you, you, you did that to build up your speed and to strengthen your legs and so you run with weights on then when you take those weights off man you're just like running on air really cool and the apostle Paul's talking about that but then he's also talking about being shackled the Romans when they would capture a city and they would take all of the leaders of those cities and all the people of influence and they would make them slaves and they would shackle their legs. And it hindered them. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you know what? Men and women of faith, we gotta, we gotta take the weights off and we gotta unshackle ourselves so that we can run this race victoriously. So lay aside the weights. And the sins that entangle you and will keep you from running. So that you can run the race with endurance. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. And he's giving instructions to the men and women Now, who are men and women of faith? You are men and women of faith. Just like those in Hebrews 11. You are men and women of faith. And you go, oh, I could never be compared to that. Don't compare yourself to them. Compare yourself to what you're living right now. How you're living right now. And say, God, I want to run this race victoriously to your praise and glory. Amen? And and this is very comparable to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Well, he was writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter 6. And he was giving them instructions. Remember what he said to them? Chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Want to join me there? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Holler him in when you get there. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, right? How come? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Having your loins skirt about with truth. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Putting on the helmet of salvation. Taking up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Above all, taking up the shield of faith. Wherewith you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. See, he's giving us the instruction like the writer of Hebrews was giving them instruction. You've got to run this race of faith and you've got to do it with perseverance and you have to do it very intentionally and very purposeful. Folks, we will not complete the race well if we're not very intentional and very purposeful and if we don't do those things that will enable us to stand. You have a very real enemy that wants to destroy you and take you out. He hates everything you stand for. These men and women of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, they were fighting the powers of darkness for the kingdom of God just like you and I are fighting the powers of darkness for the kingdom of God. Different day, different generation. It looked different, but it's the same warfare. And it's going to take the same for us. Now, when the apostle said, above all, taking the shield of faith, he was not talking about priority. He wasn't saying priority one is the shield of faith. He was talking about a stance, a position, above all. And literally, he was saying, lift up over all. The shield of faith. When he was talking about shield, he was talking, he used the Greek word thyros, which was a type of shield that the Greeks used. The Romans had three types of shields that they used. The first one was the Roman Parma shield. The shield you see on your left, that is a picture uh, of uh, an ancient so a shield from Rome. The one on the right is a modern day copy of one. A Parma. This was carried by uh, the young soldiers. They were the Verintes. They were the younger soldiers. They were the infantry. They did not wear full battle armor, but rather they carried a shield, a javelin, and a sword. So that they could move quickly and move into battle and confront the enemy. And when they were in battle, they would lift that shield up 
to take blows coming against their head or against their upper torso. And, and the, the parma was, it was circular. It, was, it had an, an iron frame around it. And it was very usable. Had a handle so they could, they could carry it very easily and move rapidly with it. The next one was the Sintra. And this was, as you can see, kind of a rectangular yet oval shape. About, uh, it was about 36 inches across, 40 to 46 inches tall. And it was made with layers of wood to make it very strong. It was heavier, a little more wieldy, okay? And the infantry carried this, but along with all the other armor that they talked about. The third shield was the scutum. This is the only, this is a picture from a museum, this is the only remaining scutum that has been found of an actual Roman scutum. And, and you'll notice in the center, that centerpiece has been knocked out. And you can see the handle through that little, that little round circle that you can see there. Now, the scutum was four feet tall. It was a foot and a half wide. But it was curved. And, it, and each side of that was 12 inches deep. And it was so that the soldier could stand behind it, completely protected behind it. He could come, he could stand it up and stand behind it. Or they could completely go into battle and it covered from the knees above the head and he could just move forward into battle protected. The The most famous of the Roman moves with their infantry was the the turtle move. Go to the next slide. This is really cool. This is what it looked like, the Roman Tutudo formation. They're all using the scutum. See how it goes from just below the knee to above the head? And they're in this formation, completely protected. And they would move forward like this, and, and the enemy couldn't get through them. You can see the arrows coming down on top of them, completely protected from them. It's amazing how they would move in. And they would, they would carry their swords, they would carry their javelins, and they would move forward. It was a powerful move by the Roman forces. The shield. The shield. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you will quench all the fiery missiles of the enemy. The scutum was multiple layers of heavy leather. And the night before battle, they would take their scutum shields and they would soak them in water all night long. So that when they went into battle the next day and the enemy would shoot flaming arrows at them, it would hit the scutum and quench the flame. And, they, and the, uh, it was common for them to have this one particular arrow that, that was hollow. The shaft of the arrow was hollow. And they would fill it full of oil. And they would light the end. And so that arrow wouldn't go out. 
because it was it had oil supply to keep it burning, right? But the scutum would put it out. Quenching all the fiery missiles of the enemy coming at your life. When is the last time you could feel the enemy shooting these fiery missiles into you and you're feeling like, I can't stand. You have to learn how to use your shield. Put up your shield. The shield of faith will quench every missile. He said all the fiery missiles of the enemy, all of them, there is no arrow, there is no javelin that the enemy can throw against you there's no stones the enemy can throw against you, there is no weapon the enemy can form against you that the shield of almighty God will not defeat you are never at the mercy of your enemy you are never at the mercy of your enemy child of God you are never at the mercy of your enemy you stand you stand wow so how do we stand how do we stand what what is our shield and our protection go to the next slide for me what is our shield and our protection I'm sorry I forgot to bring my pointer with me today Look with me back at uh, our, go back with me to the book of Hebrews, would you please? I know I'm having you jump around. Go back with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And look again at verse 36. I'm sorry, verse 39 is the one I want. Look at verse 39. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Having obtained a good testimony in the Greek literally is saying they were affirmed by first hand testimony there were people that saw them stand that bore testimony to how strong they stood and because of that because of that they have they they are in the 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 chapter of faith because they stood in other words their confidence their trust in almighty God was certain and what did it say it said they received promises it said that they defeated the enemies I was reading through this again this morning and my mind immediately went to David's mighty men of valor Sir, you think about David's mighty men of valor. When you first read about those guys, it's not very good. 1 Samuel chapter 22 talks about these guys coming. And it says, they were disgruntled. They refused to pay their taxes. They were argumentative. They were in debt. I mean... (laughs) David's gathering together this army around him of these guys that nobody else wanted. Kind of sounds like the church, doesn't it? 
Drunks getting saved, drug addicts getting saved, prostitutes getting saved, marriages that are in trouble getting saved. Yet, come on, right? And, and everybody's going, wait a minute. Where are all the good guys? I had one guy tell me, he says, I don't want any of those kind of people like it's your church, Dean. I'm going to get the rich. I'm going to get the famous. I'm going to get those. And I looked at him and I said, and when you get them, you're going to get rich people who are alcoholics, rich people who are secretly using cocaine, rich people who have been married five, six, eight times. I said, don't tell me you're getting better people. They just spend more money doing it. <laughs> Because we all sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not even one. Come on, amen? (laughs) I've just said to God for years, I'm glad to be a recycling center. Just bring them to us, Lord, get them saved, get their lives changed, fill them with the Holy Ghost, and they'll become mighty men and women for you. And that's what happened to David. These these guys came, and and then... When David's getting old, you read about them like this. There was this guy named Jephthah. Jephthah. He stood in a wheat field, and when all the rest ran, he stood there by himself with his javelin and protected that wheat field, killing 800. Wow. That's a Medal of Honor winner. Amen? How about Abishai? He was a really cool guy. He stood in a field and he fought until his sword was welded to his hand. Have you, have you, ever, been, have you ever been working on a car or something and you couldn't get that bolt to move and you were working and you were, and then you couldn't get your hand loose? You, had to, you ever been there? Am I the only idiot that's been there like that? I, there's this stuff called, anyway, never mind. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I like this other guy, and I'm not remembering his name off the top of my head. I practice some of these names, but I'm not remembering his name now. But this guy, he took on an Egyptian military guy that was seven foot six inches. I was hoping Tristan would be here today. I haven't come and stand beside me because this guy was a foot taller than Tristan. (laughs) He took him on. He wrestled him for his javelin, got his javelin from him, and then killed him with his own javelin. Is that cool? I mean, these guys are amazing, right? Men and women of faith. Men and women of faith. The guy... The guy defending the little field, standing there. I don't know. Maybe he said something like this to his wife that morning. He said, the enemy's coming. I want you to get the kids. You get to the protective shelter. I'm going to the bean field. Why are you going to the bean I planted those beans. I've watered those beans. I've weeded those beans. And they're not getting my beans. I'm defending I'm defending our crop. I'm defending our crop. Oh, but I'm afraid. You don't be afraid. God will go with me. And he took his sword and he went to the edge of that field and he waited for the enemy. 
killed 300 of them. But he defended his field. Sir, I don't know what it's been like for you and your kids. But there's been a lot of nights when my kids were young. Especially when they were teenagers. Up all night long. And I'm warfaring. And I mean just like this. And I'm yelling. But I'm yelling in a whisper. So I don't wake up the family. But I'm fighting for my kids. They're not getting my kids. Not getting my kids. They're not getting my house. They're not getting my family. You got to get through me to get to my family. Now it's my grandkids. And there's nine of them. I thought three was bad. Nine is crazy. You never stop warfaring. You never stop warfaring. Because the enemy wants them all. He hates what my family stands for. He hates it. Because Wanda and I were the first ones to raise up a family of righteousness in our generations. That we're not alcoholics. Thank God. Thank God. No alcohol in our kids. No drugs in our kids. They were virgins when they got married. Our grandkids are walking in righteousness, loving God, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. I love it. But I tell you, it takes warfare, sir. You've got to be willing to be a man of faith, to be a woman of faith, and to fight for them. You don't let the enemy have your family. You don't let the enemy have your kids. You don't let the enemy have them. You fight. You take that shield of faith and you fight. And you warfare. Knowing. I win. Fight me. You may fight me hard. And you may knock me down. But it doesn't matter how many times you knock me down. I am getting up and I am punching you right in the face. Because I win. Demon, I win. Every time I win. You will not have my kids. You will not have my marriage. You will not have my neighborhood. You will not have my city. Not as long as I'm living and breathing. Come on. I better get on. We'll be here for five hours preaching this sermon. So what is our shield of faith? He said, looking to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You can pop to the next slide for me, dear. I think it's the next slide. Oh, I got to tell you that first. Thank you. I jumped ahead. Forgive me. Faith has two sides to the same coin. Did you know that? The first side of the coin is action. Now we know... That faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is seeing what you cannot see and knowing it's there. (laughs) Faith is moving into the city of Spokane and buying a house by faith. And, and renting a hotel conference center by faith, believing we're going to have people. When all it was was Wanda and I. We're, we're going to have people. We're believing. This was in November 2000. We were believing that 
March 26, 2001, when we opened the doors the first time, we were going to have people. On Easter Sunday, we were going to have people. Well, about the second week in November, we led our first person to Jesus Christ, and so now we were three. And then she brought her sister. We led her sister to Christ. Now we were four. <clears throat> then I got a phone call. Doc, it was a family member. My family called me Doc since I was born. Then one day I actually met up with the name. But I went out to my cousin, the most unlikely people you would ever imagine. And they got saved. And I mean born again, really saved. Their kids were going, what happened to you? Saved. And, and we just continued growing from there by faith. The action. But it's not only action, the other side of the coin. It's the source of what we believe. Jude wrote, I wrote to you earnestly that you would contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. The body of what we believe, the substance of what we believe. One side of the coin is the action. It's actually believing. It's seeing what you cannot see. It's and believing and trusting and standing on what you cannot see. But the other side is the substance of what I believe in. It's God's holy word. God's holy word that has been once for all delivered to the saints. Do you get it? Faith is the action of believing and living and taking action on that which I have in my hand. God's holy word. And I trust it and I believe it. That's faith. Amen? But listen. You got to understand the source of that and the reason that the Holy Bible is what he said. That it's living and powerful and sharper than to an, to any, any two-edged sword. The reason the word of God is living and powerful is because the author is living and powerful. The author and the finisher of our faith looking to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith looking to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith he's the author of it it originated in him and he is the perfecter he is the completer of it he has brought it to full completion and he sealed that with us with a covenant that cannot be broken Listen, God's made a promise to you and I that can't be broken. It can never be broken. The covenant cannot be broken because it's sealed in Jesus Christ's own blood. And he is alive and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he is there and he says, Father, I've made this covenant. And I'm saying it's going to stand forever and forever. Amen. The author and the finisher of our faith. Now, here's where it comes to question though. Get ready. Hang on. I want to grab both sides of your chair right now. Do you believe him? Yes. Oh, I know you said that real quickly and easily. But I want to know when you get word, the doctor says, you have cancer. You going to believe him? 
You still going to believe him, trust him? When you get a phone call, three o'clock in the afternoon, or somebody pulls up in your driveway, a law enforcement officer pulls up in your driveway, and he walks up with a really long face, and the chaplain's with him, and the chaplain says, I'm sorry to bring this news to you, but your child was riding his bicycle and was hit by a car, was killed. You still, you still, you still going to trust him? You still going to believe him? See, I'm talking real stuff here. Your husband comes home, he looks you in the eye and he says, um, everything goes on skeleton resource. My boss told me today the company downsized and they cut out my position. You still, you still believing him? You see, here's, here's what's real easy to do is start saying, God, why'd you do this to me? God, why'd you let this happen? And you start yelling at God and you're angry at God. And faith doesn't yell at God. Why? Because there's no answer, folks. There's no answer why you get cancer. There's no answer why a child gets hit by a car. There's no answer why the company down. There's no answer to that question why. There's, there's just not an answer to it. There's not. Not one that'll satisfy the, the only question that really has a satisfactory answer is what? God, what do you want me to do now? God, what are you up to so I can cooperate with you right now? Because God, you've not changed. Lord Jesus Christ, you're still on the throne. Lord Jesus Christ, you're still all powerful. Lord Jesus Christ, you still hold me in the palm of your hand. Lord Jesus Christ, I still cannot be defeated by the enemy. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm still more than a conqueror. Lord Jesus Christ, my heart is aching. It is broken right now. But Lord Jesus Christ, you sit on the throne and I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Lord Jesus, what do you want me doing now? That's faith in action based on the source. Lord Jesus Christ. And your word never fails. Amen? Okay, watch this real quickly. Go to the next slide. Go back. I'm sorry. Go back one. Go back one. Go back. There you are. 66 books, 1,500 years, 40 authors. Can you believe that? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, completely furnished to all good works. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the word of God is of no private interpretation. You don't get to say, well, I think it says this. Big deal. What does it say? It's not what you think it says. It's what does it say? Come on. See, everybody gets to, everybody gets to have an opinion, but you don't build your life on opinions. You build your life on the solid foundation of the truth of Almighty God. Come on, amen? amen. Look at it. Three times in Scripture, three times in Scripture, God says, and you don't add to it and you don't take away from it. And if you do, you come under a curse. 
God's holy word. This is my electronic version. Okay. But God's holy word. Folks, God's holy word. And it's not changed. I love one of the great testimonies is in 1948 when they found the scrolls in the cave of Qumran. One of them was a complete scroll of the book of Isaiah. It's on display in, 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 the, uh, in the museum of the scroll in Jerusalem. The complete, the complete scroll. It's just, it's amazing to see. 1,000 years older than any manuscript we had of the Holy Scripture. Word for word. Identical to the King James translation. Oh, there was, there was some spelling differences. There were some punctuation differences. Right? But just, see, God, God's word, he keeps his word. He protects his word. And it's been once for all delivered to the saints. And that's what we base our life on. Amen. And we don't have time to finish this message. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me so they can at least see it. I'm going to share one scripture with you. Listen closely. Would you stand with me, please? One of the scriptures that's up on the screen, Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Would you, would you close your eyes right now and just listen, have both ears wide open and just hear the words? Blessed is the man, and it's not using just the male population. Blessed is the person that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. And in it doth he meditate day and night. That person will be like a tree, like an apple tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and its leaves does not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The shield of faith. Absolute, total, without question, unreserved trust in God's holy word and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is what you did when you came in this auditorium today and you sat down. You didn't pick up that chair and examine the welds and make sure it was going to hold you. You just came in and you sat down and rested your full body weight on that chair. And Almighty God says, I want you to rest the full body weight of your life upon my word and upon Jesus Christ. 
in all things, no matter how severe, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter what comes against you, you rest in Jesus Christ, in God's word. Knowing that God, who cannot lie, wrote the Holy Bible. Father, I pray for everyone. As I'm walking down these roads, everyone, by the authority of Jesus' name, every single one. By the authority of Jesus' name, every single one. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move upon their heart. Holy Spirit, move upon their heart. Holy Spirit, stir faith. Father, you promised us that you give to every man the gift of faith. And I'm asking you to give them the gift of faith right now. Fill their heart with faith. And then, Father, you promised that we can grow that faith by reading your word and letting your word speak to us. And the speaking word of God will grow our faith and make our faith strong. And you promised us, Lord, that when we believe, that when we believe and we pray, believing, that we can say to this mountain, you will be moved and cast into the sea and it will be done. That when we pray and we believe when we pray, that almighty God, you will give us our daily bread. That you will give us victory over the evil one. That we stand victorious, God. That we are above only and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. We are more than conquerors. That in all these things, we are more than conquerors. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. And we praise you for that. We thank you for it, almighty God. And by the authority of Jesus' name, I proclaim that into their life right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Would you join me in giving him a praise? Come on, give him a great praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're going to pick up from here next week because we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we're going to talk about how to use that sword, how to use the Word of God powerfully. We're going to look at some examples that are given to us in Scripture. And then we're going to give you some opportunities because next Sunday, some of you, you are gonna you are gonna lay a blow on the enemy of your life. Because I, I guarantee you this week, as you meditate on this message, and then next week when you hear about the sword of the spirit, you are gonna say, Why have I let the enemy do this to me for years? This is crazy. What am I thinking? And, 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 and you're going to stop it. You're going to stop. I'm done. You are not doing this to me one more day. Yes. Yes. Guys, listen, I'm telling you. It works. It works. You don't have to let the enemy beat you up. It works. Amen. You win. 
We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.